Welcome Slate Church, welcome to the pre-roll. We are so happy that you are here. Drop your name and where you're watching from in the chat. We have a great pre-roll for you. Yeah, so to kick us off, I actually know Victoria Fifth better than she knows herself. So I'm gonna introduce her today. So welcome to Victoria. So glad to do this with you today. Uh, if you don't know Victoria, she is an amazing host leader here at Slate Church. Um, right now, she's actually probably dropping a couple things in the chat, like put in your name, you know, fill out a connect card maybe, say hi. Um, so that's all her, but an amazing team here at Slate Church. If you want to get connected, that's a really great place to start, so shoot her a message. Um, and also, just a couple fun facts about Victoria. She loves reading her Bible, little matcha pineapple in the summertime on a nice sunny day. Big fan of walks on the beach too, so just a little bit about her. And this is Michaela. She runs our production team here at Slate Church. So everything that you're seeing today and just pretty much everywhere else, it is all thanks to our awesome production team. They just work so hard and they're Shout amazing. Out. So there'll be mm -hmm. connect cards and all that coming up in the chat. If you would love to get engaged with production team or host team or any team, we yeah. would love to talk to you and just get you started. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, we know each other because we actually met in a connect group. And now we're roommates. So this is like your sign if you needed one to fill out a connect card get plugged into a connect group, and who knows, you might find your future best friend, a roommate, save yourself some cash on rent, if anything. Um, but yeah, so that's how we know each other. Yeah, so another thing about Michaela is that she loves working out. I do. And we like to work out together. So mm -hmm. today, we want to just lead you in a little bit of a pre-service workout. Yeah. So if you are able to, let's all stand up together. Mm -hmm. get, get ready, up, maybe grab in. a weight or a can or a water bottle or like a baby. There's lots of There's those like around right seven now. Seven pounds, it so works. anything that's similar to that, and we're just going to start by stretching. Yeah, so what are we going to do? Sure, so not only is it church day on Sundays, but it's also shoulder day. So we're going to get those shoulders nice and loose. Right. Maybe do a little bit of like a cross over here. Yeah, yeah we're going to switch arms now. We are not qualified to do this at all. Yeah, I know. Actually, maybe like Jake Newfeld or like Slate personal trainer wants to hop in the chat and just say everything we're doing wrong right now. That'd be great. Like we're not qualified. Um, yeah, I don't know. My shoulders are feeling kind of good. I think they're good. So yeah, what's next? Basically, we are going to go into worship after this pre-roll. Mm -hmm. So if you've never been to church before, worship is an awesome time. And there's yeah. a certain position that a lot of people like to stand in that you're yeah. going to see coming up. Mm -hmm. So what is a basic worship I think my go-to is like the hand raise right. if I'm like really in the moment. Or songs two. just Yeah, you do too. But that's like our worship nights here at Slate Church are so much fun. They're like a good hour and a half long and we have fun so we usually bring it over to like two hours. So you really need to make sure that your shoulders are nice and strong for this. Right, so yeah. that is why shoulder day is Sunday mm -hmm. and it's why it's so important and so we want to yeah. do it together. So grab so your grab weight, weight, grab your can, grab your newborn. Uh, Careful. So what are we gonna do first? Okay, so first we're gonna go up 90 degrees. Yeah. Engage your core. Core And important. we're gonna go to five. Ready? Amazing. Oh, I start too soon. One. Make sure you're joining with us. Two. Three. I'm already feeling the burn. <laughs> okay, and then switch. Yeah. Maybe well, drop. Switch it up. We'll okay. do some like lifts on this arm. Nice compound movement. Yeah, this is feeling good. Okay, now another really common worship position that I think we will see. It's just yeah. basic flow. You know, receive the blessing, yeah, just you know, surrender. So why don't you yeah. show us a good workout for that? Well, you know, we're gonna grab our weight again. We're just gonna do like an isometric bicep hold. Okay. Cause you're just gonna like hold your weight here. Wanna make sure you're at like 90 okay. degrees. Yeah, we're just gonna hold this for like 10 seconds. Guys, this I is like 60 pounds. No, just kidding. Yeah, no, mine's 75 pounds. <laughs> But anyways, I don't know, do that feels reps. good. Yeah, couple. 
Nice. And you know what? I didn't even start like a workout on my watch. Like this is like wasted calories right now. But sure. we'll do that after. Okay. So we're hope that you are loose. We hope that you are ready. It is going to be an awesome service. Make yeah. sure that you hopefully you started your watch workout. Yeah. Bachi, you can start like a dance workout. We want you guys to get up, really engage with our worship today. You guys are hopefully nice and warmed up, feeling strong, feeling good. So do that and it'll be really fun. We're gonna have a dance party. Yeah. Um, I don't think that we are qualified to lead a, a, a No, 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 no. This no, is just like for your intervention. <laughs> we are qualified to lead a dance party. Yeah. I don't think no, just like in our apartment during worship after this, we're gonna be standing up That's and worshiping. True. Yeah, our downstairs neighbors like don't like us because we're jumping around so much, but it's really fun. Yeah, that's like we like to do a no jump workout. So you know, <laughs> save but yeah. watch out for next week on the pre-roll. Maybe we'll have some worship team actually lead a real dance workout <laughs> and see what that looks like. But we are so excited for today. So let's just get ready. Stand, stay standing up, drop your weight, but don't drop your child, and we'll see. That's you. important. Yeah. Church, we are so excited that you find yourself right here today and we want to connect with you. Be sure to fill out a connect card and drop your name in the chat. We have hosts that are ready to welcome you and connect with you right now. We are about to go into worship and I know that we're watching from home and sometimes it can be a little awkward, but I really want you to put aside whatever else might be distracting you in this moment. Get up out of your seat. Let's get intentional about this time and let's worship together because when we intentionally worship together and we're in this together, powerful things happen. So whatever it is that we're kind of doing on the side, let's put it aside and let's worship today. Join us. for something something I knew was there but couldn't see I remember the moment when the one I was searching for found me I can't make sense of it I'm getting over it how much you love changed everything oh cause I know it now how could I go without Jesus you're more than
church, we're going to continue to worship, and we're going to sing a new song this morning, or this afternoon, or whenever you're tuning into this, and this is a song called Holy, um, and believe it or not, it talks about the holiness of God, um, and this is a real, this is a really big thing, this is a, it, yeah, it can be something that's hard to understand, but I'm going to read a verse out of, uh, out of Revelation 4 here, um, and it just says this, this is a lot of where the song kind of comes from, it just says, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and lives forever and ever. Come on, so as, as we sing this song, why don't you just reflect on God's holiness? Um, yeah, just, just put, put aside that and why don't we think of that? Um, yeah, let's sing this together. In your hands, Breath of mankind, you begin. Your promises are written in creation. Oh, everywhere I look, I see a plan. Sing, even the rocks. Even the rocks cry out, so I'll cry out. Heaven and earth, heaven and earth will sing. So I'll sing, sing holy. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You'll find me singing worthy, worthy is the Lord. 
is it that we get to gather here uh, right now and just think about how holy and great and awesome and powerful our God is. You know, at this point in the service, every week we take a little bit of time to actually just pray together as a community, to, to thank God with people who are thanking God, to pray and lift up requests with those who have requests. And I love that as we do this, we know that our God is holy, He is powerful, He is alive, he is active, and we just actually get to, to, to pray and know that he is actually moving through our prayers, through our petitions, through coming to him. He's actually going to move in our lives and situations. You know, we have some people in our church right now who are just thanking God, uh, just that they've been able to experience his joy in a real way for the first time in five years. They've just been able to find and rest in that joy. Somebody else is so thankful that their cousin is responding well to treatment for cancer. Come on, that is so good. That is so exciting. We have somebody who's thankful for the growth that they've seen in themselves in this past year, which is just fantastic. Can we just celebrate God? Give him a hand. Thank him wherever you are. Put something in the chat. And we're also praying with some people who are in the middle of journeys and different difficult situations in life. You know, somebody who is uh, 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 praying for a friend who is recently diagnosed with lymphoma. They're praying for financial provision for her and her husband as they navigate healthcare costs. 
We have somebody else whose roommate is experiencing mental health struggles and doesn't know God, praying that they would feel his presence and, and come to know him. Somebody else whose aunt was just diagnosed with stage two breast cancer, praying that chemotherapy and radiation would go well. There's honestly just so many different prayer requests for, for jobs and for health and for all these different things and so many different struggles and journeys that people are going through. But I'm excited that we get to lift them up to a God who can move in these situations. Let's pray, church. God, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are loving. I just thank you that you are powerful and holy and perfect, God. And I just pray right now that as we lift up these requests, as we thank you for all the good things that you've done, Lord God, that you would just begin to move in these situations, that you would just meet people in the middle of cancer, that you would meet people in the middle of a hopeless diagnosis, that you would meet people right in the middle of mental health struggles, of fear around COVID, uh, of struggling with interpersonal relationships, of trying to find a job of struggling with their finances whatever it is that people in our community or community are going through lord god no matter how big or how small we know that you are powerful you are above it and you can move in these situations we pray this all in your name amen amen let's amen. worship church amen. church let's sing this together worship team like a huge round of applause wherever you are can we just thank them that was incredible thank you guys so much for leading us
faithfully every single week. Um, that was really powerful today, guys. Thank you. Well, hey, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here and just chat with you guys a little bit today about generosity. If we haven't met before, my name is Nate. I'm on the leadership team here at Slate Church. Uh, and every week we take a little bit of time in our service to do what we call our giving talk. It's just an opportunity to chat a little bit about generosity and why would you be giving to this church? What does this look like? What does this mean? And I wanna read to you guys from Luke chapter 21. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. But I love it. Actually, like if we keep going in Luke 21 here, that Jesus and his disciples, they're still hanging out in the temple. And it says some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. And what I love between these two stories, the story of the widow who's giving uh, a lot less than others, but Jesus says it's the greatest gift. And and, and the story of the disciples looking around and seeing all this beautiful stuff in the temple and Jesus saying, hey, these world, like the earthly stuff here is actually not gonna last. Is Jesus is actually trying to shift his disciples' mindset from like earthly perception to heavenly intention from earthly perception to heavenly intention. Hey, what are we thinking about? Like what other people see, what other people look at, or are we thinking about it considering it, considering where the heart's at, what the intention is of our actions and our generosity. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about giving to church, giving to slate. It's for us as individuals, an act of submission to God, of actually switching our mindsets to this heavenly intention of saying, God, I'm surrendering to you by giving some of my finances. Uh, but it's also for us as a church, when you're giving to this church, you're actually investing in this heavenly intention, in this heavenly mission. As a church, our mission is to make disciples of all of Ontario, to reach people with the love and relationship with Jesus, to actually do something that's gonna last beyond anything on this earth through your generosity and through your finances. So there's a few ways to give on the screen for you guys right now that you should be seeing coming up there. You can text a tithe, you can do all this different cool stuff. Uh, but I just encourage you uh, to give, to give generously, to give out of a place of heavenly intention, both for yourself and to actually surrender your finances to God, but also to contribute to this larger mission of reaching people with something that will last. Awesome guys. Well, hey, next week coming up, Slate Church, we have an exciting new series. It is called Full Send. Uh, and some people might hear that and be like, wow, they really titled the series Full Send. That's bold. Uh, other people might be like, I don't actually know what Full Send means. Well, simply, it's just like this term in culture that just means like going all in, doing something crazy, doing something wild, doing something passionate, maybe a little bit dumb. Uh, and we just actually want to talk over these next few weeks uh, about this idea of Full Send. We want to relate it back to what we're doing in church. And I'm not going to tell you too much more than that because you're going to have to tune in to see what it's all about. But join us these next few weeks. We're going to be jumping into Full Send. It's going to be an incredible time. And I also want to encourage you guys uh, to get connected. If you haven't yet, fill out a connect card. There'll be something coming up in the chat. You can do that right now if you're tuning in live, or you can go to our website, slatechurch.com slash connect. Uh, and we would just love to have you get connected with us, fill out a connect card, get involved. It's the best thing you can do. Uh, and also follow us on social media. 
Right now we're in the middle of uh, reopenings and new phases of stuff in our province. And we're not totally sure, is it the 14th? Is it a different day? When stuff happening? Uh, and so the best way to stay up to date, follow us on social media. We have a lot of exciting stuff we wanna do, uh, a lot of vision for the future of our church. And as we begin to reopen, how we can reach our communities in new and exciting ways. Uh, so follow along to stay up to date there. Awesome. Well, hey guys, we are going to uh, jump into, I think one of my favorite segments every week. It's always so powerful and so exciting. Uh, and I'm really excited for who we're going to hear from today. We're going to be jumping into our interview segment. So I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Jared for the interview. Oh, we got claps. That's awesome. Thanks, Pastor Nate. And uh, hey, Slate Church, it's great to see you today, wherever you're watching from, whatever time it is for you. Glad that you're tuning in. Glad to see you. And listen, we have got our interview segment here today, and I'm really excited for it as well, because we have Debbie Hernandez here with us. Come on, can we put our hands together for Debbie in the studio and at home? Can you just celebrate her? So, um, Debbie, you've been around for a little bit at Slate Church, probably about like two years, we were saying before, hey? Yeah, two years, August. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And you got baptized here two years ago. Was that right? Yeah, so in December, yeah. so uh, came August, got baptized in December, waited a little bit, but no yeah. regrets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's really cool. And you've been on basically host team for as long as I've known you, at least, is where yeah. that's kind of you've been serving. And so that's really cool. And so you were telling me a little bit about um, your life before, and you were saying that you were raised uh, in the Catholic Church, and just in, in the last couple of years have had a bit of a new revelation of who God is in your life. And so why don't you just share a little bit about what God's done in your life in the last little while? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was raised Catholic and um, I kind of did all the check marks, got my baptism, first communion, and then as I grew up, I just kind of went my own way. I didn't really have a relationship with God. I knew that he wanted me to do the things he wanted me to do, but I didn't even know what that meant and really why, like why am I doing this? Who is he to me? So um, after university, I had a group of friends and they were actually coming to Slate. And um, I just started getting introduced to faith a little bit more. And what I was noticing was just, I almost had a little bit of resentment, unfortunately, because it just kind of felt like in, in God's kingdom, there was no place for me because I, I did everything the university kid did. My parents are divorced and I thought that that was like a big no-no already. So there right. was nothing I had that I could offer. And so there was just a moment where I, I kind of hit a low um, circumstances and I, I just said, I'm looking for something. And if it's something I can find in Christianity, then I want that bad because I see it in other people and so wow. I just literally read my Bible every single day yeah and it wasn't like this kaboom moment where God walked into my my room and he was like hey you did it right. like <laughs> right. he, you, did. you did it I was waiting what took you so long? um he it was just a, a moment where he said he just said you don't have to be a Christian to know me you don't have to do something or be something sorry I don't want to get emotional um, he said um, you have to know me to be a Christian so right. I need to go to him first wow. and it completely wow. changed my life like it was just just knowing that he loved me mm. um, 
again, like it was, it was just a big change for me. And since then, I came to Slade. I, I joined all the teams because I said, if I don't do it now, then I'm just going to keep right. thinking of excuses. So, I had actually a a little lunch with um, with Julie, uh -huh. Julie Gozen. Yeah. And it was the first time that I think a Christian in my life looked at me, and I told her my story, and she didn't condemn me. She didn't judge me she didn't criticize me yeah. she didn't say why did you do that yeah. it was kind of like you're here wow. and God wants you to be here yeah. and like from this point on is where you're going to wow. see the change wow. and so it was just so beautiful I just wanted to be at Slate all the time that's why I joined <laughs> so many things and then, yeah. so um, yeah uh, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at now two years in that's insane that's so such a cool thing. You you were telling me before when we were just chatting a little bit uh, about this idea of like just your desire for people to know how much God loves them and the way that that impacted you and just hearing that moment where God had kind of just revealed Himself to you in a new way of just saying like, hey, it's not about what you're doing, but it's about just knowing Me, and then that's what like kind of brings all the stuff that you're looking for. Yeah. I guess like, what would you say to somebody that? that feels like they're going through the motions. Like, I think I ask this question all the time in interviews because I think it's a common thing we come back to as people. Like, we just expect that if I do this thing, I'll get this thing. Or if I do A, then B will happen to me. But it's so reversed in a relationship with God. Like, what would you say to somebody that is wrestling through that? Like, I'm just trying to check all the boxes and I don't know if this is for me and I don't know if it makes sense and I don't know like where I fall in any of this. And they're maybe feeling that resentment and frustration similarly to the way that you were feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love the interview kind of for this point because it's like we all kind of get to a point where we feel, what now? Like, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't know what you're talking about. And so I think for me, um, again, like I said, be curious as to that kind of emptiness that you're feeling. The one that people are like, well, have a drink then. What culture tells you, have a drink then. Have a boyfriend then. Right. You know, find it here that's not why is it not filling you you know what I yeah. mean like ask who created you and and what is it the needs that he knows that you need uh, where can you find that yeah and and know that that love and that that emptiness you're feeling it can be filled uh, like don't 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 think that it stops there like there's a reason why you feel that and he's yeah. waiting he's waiting for you to come to him yeah wow. and so I just think if you want to just venture and just just read the Bible, start at uh, Book of Matthew. That's where I started. <laughs> that's good. Um, just kind of get to know God a little bit more, because yeah. I think that's where the the change happens. Yeah. Um, and you'll slowly come to realize that I lost my train of thought. Sorry, man. <laughs> I, mean, I think we've got more than enough, to be honest. Like. No, this but I, I really want I want you to know that God isn't going to look at you the way people do. And he's going to be like, why did you do that? I have a list here of all the things yeah, you right. did. Like, he's going to look at you and say, I know exactly why you did that. Mm -hmm. I know I know what that person said to you. Right. I was there that night. I right. was there here. I'm not judging you. Yeah. Like, I, I want to love you and I feel for you that pain wow. that you felt. And I'm calling you to something good. So, yeah, I just, I just say, just go there. Look yeah. for it. I promise you he's there. Yeah. I promise. Debbie, thank you so much for sharing some of your heart and what God has done in your life. I think it's just like you can see it in 
just hear it in, in the way that you talk about your relationship with God, that there's a there's been just an eye-opening in you of the goodness that God has and the love that he has for people. And I think that that's something that we can we miss out on so much when we get caught up in all these other things. But the fact that he just loves us and understands us and desires a relationship with us is so powerful and important. Thanks for sharing that. And thank you for thank you. just being vulnerable about what God's done in your life. It's a powerful thing. Hey, come on, how, how phenomenal was that testimony? Can we just thank Debbie wherever we are today? What a great testimony of what God has done in her life. And I'm going to pass it back over to Pastor Nate to, um, to introduce our speaker. I think today we've got a guest speaker, so we're really excited about that. But back to you, Pastor Nate. Awesome. Thanks so much, Pastor Jared. And thank you so much, Debbie. That was, like, really such a powerful story. And uh, I feel like you just really appreciate the gospel there, which is, I think, something that we all always need to hear. So thank you so much for sharing that today. Um, hey, I just want to uh, really quickly, I'm going to introduce our guest speaker in just a second. But first, I just wanted to say uh, a huge hello for Pastor Brandon and Emma. They're currently on vacation today while we're recording this. That's why you haven't seen them here today. But they miss you guys. They're excited to be back next week. Uh, they love you guys a ton. And uh, they love this guest speaker that we have. Uh, I know that he's been a huge uh, impact and influence on their lives, somebody that they uh, have really appreciated and respected. Uh, but I'll say, you know what? I'm not sure they love him quite as much as I do uh, because he's actually my big brother. So I'm really excited today. We have my big brother, Jonathan Lambert, delivering a message to us from Experience Church in Calgary. I think it's going to really impact so many of us. So get your notebook out, lean in, get ready, and join me in welcoming my big brother, Jonathan Lambert, to share with us today. Hey, what's going on, Slate Church? It is an honor to be together with you guys this weekend. Um, what a weekend. Hey, like last week, my brother Nathan, Pastor Nathan, preached up a storm at Slate. And this week, I'm preaching. I don't think the Lambert boys have ever gone back-to-back -back weekends preaching at the same church. So that's a cool family moment. And uh, just from our church family and my wife, Natasha, I want to just say, hey, I want to bring greetings from Calgary. I want to take a moment and let you know that we absolutely love your church. We love your pastors, Pastors Brandon and Emma and the whole family. Uh, just world changers, incredible leaders, uh, big vision. And we pray for you. We're tracking with you. We're, we're just here, man. We are all in for the ride with Slate Church. And you guys are absolutely changing the world. It's amazing what God has done in such a, a short time. But we're encouraged because we know he's not finished. And we know that the influence that you're already seeing and experiencing um, is going to continue to grow, not just locally, but provincially, nationally, and beyond. So thank you. Thank you. Keep praying for your pastors. Keep serving in the house. Keep, keep encouraging one another because the best days are absolutely ahead for your church. Hey, I, wanna, I don't want to delay. I want to get right into the Bible today. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And uh, let me just set the stage for you here quickly. Uh, at the point that we're going to pick up the scripture, Jesus has died. He's risen uh, from the dead. Uh, he hung out for a few weeks. Um, in fact, he, he was teaching and hanging out with about 500 people post-resurrection. Then one day he's at a dinner party. Things are looking good. Everybody's excited. It's kind of a comeback tour. Jesus excuses himself from the table. And then all of a sudden, bam, he ascends into heaven. Just excuses himself from the planet. And the disciples and the crowd is left sitting there wondering like, man, what do we do now? And Jesus had given them one specific instruction before he left, which was to wait in 
Jerusalem. And so we pick up our story today in Acts chapter 1, verse 12. And that's exactly what the disciples are doing. They are waiting in Jerusalem. Spin and dreidels, ordering shawarma on skip the dishes. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. I just want you, I don't know how you're doing lockdown. I don't know what that's been like for you, but I hope your lockdown situation is better than the lockdown situation in the upper room. You got 120 people. It's hot. It's Jerusalem. It probably smells like Galilean feet and hummus. I hope you're faring better than this crew would have been. But Peter stands up and he says, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field and there he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldema, that is the field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Listen, Ju Judas had a bad rap. I mean, des deservedly so. When I say Judas, like what, what immediately comes to your mind? Well, we all know what's on the top of his resume. On the top of his resume is that he's the guy who sold out Jesus. He betrayed Jesus. He turned him over to the authorities for a bag of coins. And, and I've always felt like Judas was his real negative figure in scripture. And I think a lot of that has to do with obviously his resume, um, even all the different depictions of Judas, like any live action depiction of Judas. He's always the guy with shifty eyes. You know, he's kind of scoping the room. In my son's action Bible, anytime the disciples are pictured together, Judas is sort of in the back. He's the only guy wearing black. He's hanging out in the shadows like Judas. He's, he's, there, it, he's kind of a villain. That's the way we understand him. That, that would be the way that most of us perceive and know him. But as I, as I was reading this text in Acts chapter 1, and I came to those last lines when it said, May another take his place. Something hit me. I started to consider the fact that, man, this is, this is the only conversation we have in Scripture, the only moment where we see the group of disciples processing the death of Judas. What was Peter feeling as he was giving the address to the crowd? What was he thinking? I would imagine there'd be some emotion in his voice. I find it interesting where he said that he was one of their number and shared in this ministry. Man, that's a big statement. Peter's saying, guys, let's talk about Judas for a minute. Judas was our friend. Maybe there were some side conversations happening. We don't, we don't know everything that happened in the room that day, but, but I wonder what Matthew leaned over and said, and, and said to Bartholomew. And I wonder what, what the guys were remembering. Like, think about it. Judas gave up everything to follow Jesus, just like the other disciples did. 
Judas was right there when Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. Judas served lunch together with all of these guys while Jesus was preaching and teaching. Judas was, was sent out by Jesus with spiritual authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to lay his hands on the sick and watch them become well. Judas was part of the dream team. He was part of the in crowd. Jesus washed his feet like Judas was their friend. They had been with Judas for three plus years. And so when you consider how it started and how good it looked and the fact that Judas was one of the guys and then contrast that with how it ended, I mean, the story of Judas is really one of the most tragic events in the entire Bible. Largely because he was so close. He was so close. He was so close to Jesus. He was so close to the disciples. He was so close to redemption. Like, as Jesus was going to the cross to conquer death forever, Judas was taking his own life. He missed the glory of the resurrection by hours. Judas was so close to the validation, the vindication, the victory of the empty tomb, so close to being empowered by the Holy Spirit, so close to the explosion of the early church. Like, imagine if Judas had made it. I wonder, would he have traveled with Peter? maybe planted churches with Paul? Would we be reading from the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Judas? We don't know, because Judas got taken out. Things started so well for him, but upon, and upon closer look, as I've considered and thought about the character, the person of Judas, I've realized that maybe he's not the villain we've always made him out to be. Maybe Judas was more of a victim Maybe Judas was a casualty, a victim of a sinful system, the, the victim of social pressure, the victim of internal demons and thoughts and patterns and issues that he could never seem to conquer. Maybe Judas was a victim. You know, it's interesting. One of the most difficult and, and complex things about being a part of a church community, being, being part of a church family like Slate or like Experienced Church, being on a faith journey with people is that you're shoulder to shoulder with people. You're planting church. You're leading connect groups. You're praying prayers. You're believing for miracles. You're, you're growing together. You're having these amazing God experiences. You go through good times and hard seasons. And one of the most heartbreaking things is to do life that closely with someone. Like they're in it. You're, your lives are woven together. And then to watch them make the decision to walk away from Christ. To watch them make the decision to step away from community, step away from the body, to, to give up on their faith. What well, makes the absence of Judas and his decision and what's being reflected here in the upper room hurt even more is the contrast in the text. Because Judas had his demons and had his issues and he betrayed Jesus. But you've also got Peter right there who also had his demons and also had his issues and also betrayed Jesus. But Peter is standing up, he's using his voice, he's stepping into God's purpose and plan for his life, and Judas has been silenced, the life lost, he's been taken out. He's been taken out. You know, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul talks about being taken out. He says, hey, you were running a good race. You started so well, everything was so great. You were smashing it, it was amazing. He says, who cut in on you? And that's the thing with being taken out is, is when you get taken out, you don't always see it coming. M most of the time, you don't plan to get taken out. You don't plan for somebody to cut in on you. My, my kids just got their first bank accounts. They're all so excited. They think 
because they have a plastic card, they've got lots of money. They, they don't know that their accounts are empty. Um, but, but it's interesting. So they got these new bank accounts, and none of my kids have yet asked me how to file for bankruptcy. Why? Because it's just, they're at the start. They're at the beginning. They're not thinking about being taken out. You know, no one gets married and at the altar makes sure you have the, the, the phone number of a good divorce lawyer on speed dial. You don't do that because you're not anticipating being taken out. Nobody starts a new job thinking, wow, first day, this is amazing. I can't wait till I get fired. You don't have your first crush, your first love, your first kiss, and imagine yourself later in life searching for intimacy and that that search may someday lead you to pornography or substance abuse. You don't think about being taken out. Judas got taken out. And the truth is that, that life tries to cut in on all of us and life is going to hit all of us. And my prayer today is that we'd stand like Peter and step into our purpose like Peter. And we'd embrace God's plan like Peter, not get taken out like Judas. You know, about six months ago, uh, the dashboard on my SUV lit up like a Christmas tree. It was crazy. All, I'm driving and then something happens and then all the warning lights are on. And I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned though because I've had one of these exact models of SUV before. And so this has already happened to me in a, in a previous ride. So um, I had taken it in that time and got them to check it out. And they said, hey, listen, it's a bad sensor. Uh, it's a computer problem. It's really not worth your money to fix it because it's an older vehicle. So um, don't worry about the lights. You, just, you just, just keep going and do your regular maintenance. So I, I didn't really think anything of it. So I've got all these lights on. All the warning lights are on. So I'm just feeling like, okay, it's fine. I know this problem. I'm comfortable. I don't have to worry about it. I can just keep going. Everything's good. Well, Natasha didn't feel that way. She stopped driving with me. She didn't want me to take the kids in my truck. Um, I, I made the mistake of asking her to swap vehicles with me one day. And, you know, she just gets all mama bear like, oh, really? Do you know that we are precious cargo? You want me to be on the highway with your children and have your vehicle blow up because you didn't take the time to fix the issues? I'm like, girl, there are no issues. It's just a sensor. Get over it. It was funny is that a few weeks ago, I was coming up to a stop sign in my, in my car, my truck, and all of a sudden, it starts to shake violently. like, <laughs> And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's an issue for sure. And so I did what any self-respecting man would do. Any man who knows nothing about cars and doesn't even really own a lot of tools. Uh, I didn't ask for help. I didn't pay a mechanic. I jumped on YouTube. I found discount parts. I bought the tools I needed, and yeah, I got under my car. No big deal. I changed my brakes and filters and rotors and plugs. I redid a whole, I, I redid like the entire suspension, and I'm feeling pretty good. And I noticed after I did all that work on the car that the warning lights were off, which sounds like a win, but it meant they were on because there was an issue. Turns out they were on because my suspension was shot, and I had no front brake pads. And I drove for months ignoring the warning signs that things in my vehicle were wearing down. Had it gone on any longer, the results would have been destructive at best, tragic at worst. And listen, there are warning signs to us wearing down. There are warning signs that life is taking a toll. There are warning signs that, that, that the pressure, the extra rate, the worry, the job stress, the financial needs, the relational uncertainty, whatever it is that you're carrying right now, there are warning signs in, on the dashboard of your heart that we need to pay attention to 
so we can, we can stay strong and stay in, it, stay in it and get back up like Peter and not get taken out like Judas. Judas had some warning signs. What are the warning signs that you might be wearing down? Well, John chapter 12 tells an interesting story. It's the last week of Jesus' life, and, and he goes to Lazarus' house for dinner. Mary, Lazarus' sister, um, takes a moment, breaks open this crazy, expensive jar of perfume worth a year's wages and begins to pour it on Jesus' feet. Then she starts wiping his feet with her hair. Guys, this is so disgusting. This is so nasty. I, I can't even imagine if I was sitting at, at the table for this dinner, I would have been like dry heaving watching this take place. Hey, I'm just going to pour some perfume on you. And let me just get in there. Can you just spread your toes a bit? I just got to get in there with my hair. Like, oh, it's awful. It seems crazy, but it was this extravagant moment of worship. And, and extravagant worship always seems crazy without context. So for context, let me just remind you in case you didn't know or, or tell you in case you didn't know that Jesus had just raised Mary's brother Lazarus from the dead. That's the context. She had just seen his power on display, his power over death. And so, so her expression of worship matched her experience. This was a beautiful act of worship. But watch how Judas responds to it in John chapter 12, verse 4. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. Now, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, John tells us, but because he was a thief and as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Listen, Judas is all up in her space. He's getting critical. He's getting upset. He's angry over how she's worshiping. Man, I wonder if one of the warning lights on the dashboard of your heart is that you become critical. That we have a critical spirit. Listen, I'm not saying we don't all struggle with this. In fact, I think we all do struggle with this. I'm just letting you know that if you've become critical in this season, it's a warning sign that you're wearing down. Have you noticed that people are on edge right now? It's a bit of an understatement. Maybe it's just in Alberta. I don't know. Maybe in Ontario, people aren't as edgy. But I find that people are looking for a reason to be angry. Man, Natasha's doing a school pickup last Friday, and um, she goes in. She parks the minivan, like parallel parks it. We're talking on the phone. And she gets out of the minivan, and the guy behind her, I can hear in my AirPod, starts yelling at her for parking too close. Why did you park so close to me? What's wrong with you? And I, guys, I'm freaking out. I can hear it happening, and everything inside of me just wants to be there so I can rage monster on this guy. And so she's, I start feeding her lines. I'm like, hey, hey, don't take that from him. No one needs to talk to you like that. I'm like, girl, I can be there in 11 minutes. You stall him. I'm coming. Like, I was fired up. She's like, shut up. I'm like, whoa, easy. She's like, I've got this. I can't even think straight with you yelling at me. And then she, she turns to the man. She's like, hey, relax. I'm like, okay. This is so funny to me though. His anger was so close to the surface. Why, why was he so easily triggered? Like, come on, buddy. It's elementary school pickup. Why are we so easily triggered in this season? Why was Judas so easy, easily triggered at this dinner? Now we can't forget the weight that he's carrying right now. Cause see, this is less than a week before Jesus is going to die. And while the disciples don't know all the details, the tension around Jesus is mounting. There's political tension. There's a plot to kill Jesus. And if they're willing to kill Jesus, you better believe they're willing to take out one of his followers. 
Judas is carrying the weight of unmet expectations, three years of miracles, of power on display, yet Jesus hadn't made the political move they were expecting and hoping for. There'd been transition, there'd been change, there'd been pressure, there'd been tension. He's feeling pain, feeling lost. Things are uncertain and heavy. He's exhausted. And listen, right now, there's a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot of unmet expectations. There's a lot of grief. You know what I've noticed about grief? Is that people tend not to grieve until something's over. Like anytime I chat with somebody at a funeral and say like, hey, how are you doing? You know, the most common response is, you know, I'm okay. Things have been so busy. I haven't even really started to grieve yet. There's so much to do. There's so much to arrange. And, and, and I think that's why the world is so volatile right now. Because see, everyone's feeling pain and everyone's feeling loss. And, and the pandemic has so much to do with that. But no one's grieved properly. We've just buried it. We've just pushed it down because we're still in the middle of it. It's not over yet. We haven't come to the end. And so it hasn't really felt like it's time to actually process. And then you start st stacking real life on top of that. Not just pandemic pain but, and loss. But, but maybe you lost a job or maybe you had a baby and you didn't get to have a baby shower. Maybe you've had to change your wedding plans. Maybe you can't visit your children or you've got grandparents who are shut in. Maybe you've been grieving racial and cultural tension. Maybe your marriage blew up. Maybe you got loved ones who are sick. Maybe you lost a family member. Maybe you're trying to keep a, your, your business afloat. Maybe you received a medical diagnosis that's troubling and you just keep burying pain on top of pain and loss on top of loss and you haven't given it proper place to be processed. And now it's coming out in the form of resentment and anger, angry about things that never used to bother us, triggered by things that seem so small, it's almost embarrassing how quickly it happens. Listen, if you're finding yourself becoming critical, it's just a warning sign that you're wearing down. The second thing we notice, not just a critical spirit, but in Luke chapter 22, it's the feast of the unleavened bread. It's called the Passover, verse one. It was approaching and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. Verse 6, this is so key, Luke 22. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Now, when I read that and I read, then Satan entered Judas, I think, whoa, this can't possibly be Judas's fault. Like what choice did he have if Satan, I mean, just took control and entered him? And then I'm thinking about it and I realize, well, that's not even what is happening here. Satan can't go anywhere without an invitation. Satan can't go anywhere without consent. How did he enter Judas? Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. Listen, Satan can't just show up and take control of innocent people. He can't just roll up into your life and welcome himself in. No, it only happens where we give him a foothold. The devil only has influence where we give him influence. And Judas had sinful desires. That's why John told us he was stealing from the money bag. And so that sinful desire was an open door for the devil to walk right in. This was, the betrayal of Jesus was consensual sin. He made the decision to compromise. Seasons of pain, pressure, fear will get us consenting to things that, guys, we never thought we would ever do or maybe we'd never do again. 
We go back to patterns and behaviors and relationships that are toxic and they're not good for us. We come into agreement and alignment with thoughts and ideas that, that we, 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 we figured we dealt with. We start justifying the crossing of lines, the compromising of our convictions and turning ourselves, turning our backs on God's best. Judas consented to sin. He had a critical spirit. He consented to sin. Listen, if, if you've let your guard down with sin, it's just a warning sign that you're wearing, you're wearing down. Why did Judas give consent to sin? Well, in part because he was greedy, in part because he was scared. The lie of sin is that you can control it, that it won't take over, that it's not going to consume you. But man, he had a personal relationship with the one who meets all of his needs according to his riches. And yet he traded his future for 30 pieces of silver. Listen, Judas didn't just betray Jesus. Judas betrayed his future. And my question is, what are you giving consent to today that is betraying your tomorrow? See, when we give consent to being offended, we betray future joy. When you give consent to greed, you betray future blessing. When you give consent to fear, you betray future peace. Consent to lust and sexual immorality, we betray real intimacy. We, when we give consent to gossip, we come into agreement with insecurity and we betray our identity and our confidence. When you give consent, you are selling out what's next for what's now. And it's just a warning sign. It's just a warning sign that you're wearing down. What are you giving consent to? The final thing comes from John 13, 21. Man, it's the Last Supper. All the fellows have rolled in. They're looking good. They know the picture's going to be taken. The waitress seats them all on the one side of the table so they can pose for the shot. There's an interesting conversation that happens in John chapter 13, verse 21. Jesus is speaking. It says, he was troubled in his spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and asked, and asked him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Think about this for a moment. They're all sitting there. Jesus is like, hey, the guy that's going to betray me, I'm going to pass him some bread right now. So he dips the piece of bread. Then he gives it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But verse 28 is mind-blowing. No one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had a charge, charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or go give something to the poor. As soon as, Jesus, as, soon as Judas sorry, had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. <laughs> this is a crazy moment. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give bread to the guy who's going to betray me. Passes the bread to Judas. Judas eats the bread. Judas gets up and leaves, and the disciples don't realize what's going on. They don't piece it together. They think he's heading out for some snacks. This tells me that Judas had concealed his sin. That nobody knew about his struggle. Like even at the moment when he walked out of community, nobody understood the weight in his heart. Nobody knew that when he laid his head down on his pillow at night, he was overrun with guilt and shame and condemnation. He was a disciple and he struggled with hidden sin. He was, he was in a crowd. I mean, he was in the in crowd, yet was completely alone and isolated. Listen, do not give into the lie that you can deal with your issues in isolation. Sin will eat you from the inside out until there's nothing left. Mark 4.22 says, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. 
concealed sin. That's another warning sign that we're wearing down when we don't have the confidence to trust, to tell somebody, to confess our sin, to make it public when you're keeping secrets. We can't hide forever. One of the greatest tactics of the enemy is the lie that you need to keep your sin, sin hidden, that some things are better left secret, that your community that you're in can't handle the truth, that you can do it on your own, that you can get through it by yourself. Listen, Judas thought he could keep things hidden. And the reward for his sin, it says in Acts chapter 1, was that he fell headlong and his body burst open in a field. What's inside will always come out. The truth will eventually come out. It will rise to the surface. Warning signs that you're wearing down. You, be, you become critical. You have a critical spirit. You have consensual sin. And you conceal your issues. So what do we do when the pressure's on? What do we do when it's pain on top of pain and loss on top of loss? What do you do when you start to see the warning signs when we're exhausted, when we're having a tough go? What do we do? Uh, two things. Number one, you stay in community. If you're not in, connected in this community, if maybe you rolled up into the chats today or you rolled online, somebody just sent you the feed, listen, listen, you're in the right place. Get in community. If no one knows your junk, if no one knows what's really going on in your heart, you're just in a crowd. You're not in community. We need each other. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Notice it doesn't say judge each other or cancel each other or gossip about each other. It just says pray. That's the only instruction. I'm telling you, here at Slate Church, we're going to pray for you. We're going to protect you. There's a place for you. None of us are perfect. You can bring your issues here. We're all a little bit jacked up too. And we're going to come around you and surround you. This is a place where we can heal together. You come to community and you come to Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen, the tragedy of Judas's story was that he was so close. So close to hope, so close to healing, so close to breakthrough. So close, but he was derailed when life cut in. Listen, Judas's greatest mistake was not, not his betrayal of Jesus. His greatest mistake was not trusting Jesus with his betrayal. Listen, I, I don't know what you're carrying today, but you can bring it into this community and you can bring it to Jesus. He can handle betrayal. He can handle your battles. He can handle the sin that others see. He can handle the sin that we don't see. He can handle the pain. You can bring your hopelessness, your fear, your sickness, your grief, your worry, your anxiety. You can bring it to Jesus. Come on, stay in community. Come into community and bring it to Jesus. My prayer for you today is that just like Peter did, if we, if we come to Jesus and we come into community, then we can step into the plans and purposes of God for our lives and we will not get derailed. You are so critical to what God is doing in the planet. He loves you and he's got a great plan for your life. And so can we pray together? I wanna pray for everybody. I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would encourage us and lift us and point us toward Jesus today. But I also wanna pray for those who maybe you're watching and you've never made the decision to trust Jesus with your life. That today would be that day where you would make that decision in your heart and you'd say, Jesus, I don't fully understand it. I don't get it, but, but I know I can't keep doing life by myself. I trust you with my future. Man, God's got something so incredible 
for each one of you. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you um, that you've brought us all into these spaces and places today. God, thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each one. God, we know this season has been complicated and tough. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would encourage people right now. You'd, you'd inject new faith and new hope and new life, God, where we see warning signs that we're wearing down. We wouldn't withdraw or step away, but God, we'd step into community and step closer to you. God, thank you that there's grace for each one of us that you can carry all of our issues. God, that you forgive us of our sins and God, give us the promise of a hope and a future. So Lord, I pray right now for those that are coming to you for the first time, that they in this moment would trust you with their future and know the freedom that comes from having a relationship with you. God, thank you for our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Wow, can we just thank Pastor Jonathan for that incredible message? Come on. Toss some emojis in the chat. Put a comment on the YouTube video. Just clap in your living room, whatever it takes. Let's thank him. Uh, yeah, just on behalf of Pastors Brandon and Emma, we're so thankful, uh, Pastor Jonathan, that you would just come and speak to our church and share this word with us this week. It really means a ton. Thank you so much. Well, hey, wherever you are tuning in, we just want to encourage you, stand up, get ready. We're just going to worship uh, as we uh, come as our service comes to a close.
Wow. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in and joining us here today, church. Uh, and thank Jesus for an incredibly powerful, wonderful, awesome, uh, just time in church and time uh, just learning and receiving and growing and worshiping him. It's been fantastic. You know, before we go today, I just wanna encourage you to get connected. I know that I've said it like 10 times throughout this service already probably, but that's because it's really, really important. Church is not an event. It's not just something you consume and tune into, but it's actually a community that we would love for you to be a part of. So if you want to be a part of this community, you want to join a connect group, a smaller group of people meeting bi-weekly to connect and talk about the message or build relationship. If you want to uh, join one of our teams and serve and get involved, we would love to have you. You can fill out a connect card or come to Next Steps right after service. Next steps, it's just a Zoom call. It's really simple. It's just you and like one or two people. You're gonna be chatting a little bit about what your next step is, how you can get involved. There's a button in the chat right now. Click that. We would love to have you be a part of Next Steps, especially if you made a decision to follow Jesus this week. Uh, we would just love to chat with you about that and make sure you get the support that you need. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. See you later, church.